Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. Pastor Jay Boucher is actually going to do our teaching this morning, and I'm getting to host. So let's start with our scripture verse, and then we'll turn it over to Pastor Jay for our, our teaching. So 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 to 19. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Well, let's open in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for another incredible morning that we get together as a family to dive into your word, to learn, to grow, to expand, to have the spotlight of scripture shine upon our hearts, and just to reveal those areas that need to be dealt with. And so thank you for your love for us, that we can find no fear in your presence. So as we dive in this morning, Father, thank you that once again, you're here to meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Pastor Jay, the floor is yours. Thank you, buddy. appreciate it. Here we go, though. You had a wonderful week last week, and we are going to do reading through Genesis chapters 46 and 47 together. And so without any further ado, here we go. You know, each of our lives may be described as a journey. And while different in years, each life may not have the same amount of years, looking at the total of one's life, each has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And God supplies each one with all that we require to fulfill his unique purpose for our lives. And so Genesis chapter 46 and 47 contains details of a journey as Joseph brings his family to Egypt, and then they end up settling in Goshen. As life can be described as an adventure or as a journey, so too can each of us experience the following. In a moment of time, we can enter a transition, okay? We can enter a season of change. And it is usually not until later, even much later, that we realize we're in a transition or we can even see its significance, And so this happens to the family of Jacob or Israel as he brings his family into Egypt and they settle in Goshen. They move from Canaan to Egypt. In Genesis chapter 46, verses 3 to 4, describes a vision that Jacob has where God calms his fear, our memory verse, with a precise promise. God says to Jacob, I will make you a great nation 
He says, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. This is a personal promise to Jacob. And so as we read our chapters today, I want you to be paying attention for three things. Presence, I will, God says, go down to Egypt with you. Provision, I will make you a great nation. Provision isn't always finances. Provision includes the presence and the promise of God. And lastly, promise, which is I will bring you up again. You see, the God of the first covenant is identical to the God of the second, of the new and the old is what I'm saying. Jesus sends the 11 in the book of Matthew, and he gives his followers the great commission. In doing so, he sends us out on our journey, and there is presence, there is provision, and there is promise. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, provision, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. And so again, presence, Jesus directs the 11. Even those who doubt, he still directs, they'll find him. Provision, as I just mentioned, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. So he gives to us in him. And then the promise, of course, is I am always with you. Now there's an ancient Greek urging. There's an ancient Greek saying or urging that asks people to not call themselves happy until they're dead. <laughs> and it's not as morbid as it actually sounds. What it is simply implying is, or its meaning is, only at the end of one's life is it possible often to make a judgment call when you can see the whole story of one's life. And today we you know, take heart on your journey because the same God who was faithful to Israel is the same God who's going to be faithful to you. Two questions, we're gonna pray and dig in. At this stage of your life, whatever stage that might be, at this stage of your journey, what are you focusing on? What has your attention? Are you actively looking, abiding in, and living from the presence, provision, and promise of God? Or is something else, or does something else have either your focus, your attention, or your affection. It doesn't even have to be bad things. It can be good things that actually become bad things. And so let's together pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we lift our hearts up before you. Give us eyes to see, and then hearts to respond, and feet ready to walk where it is that you're asking us to step. Amen. Genesis 46, verses 1 to 7. Let's read. So Israel, Jacob, took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba. And he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And Jacob spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. 
for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. God is telling, of course, Israel, Jacob, he's going to die, but he's going to be brought back and not buried in Egypt. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, their little ones, and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry them. And they also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob and his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, and his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. And then the scripture goes on to list a whole bunch of wonderful names that you can read on your own time. (laughs) I'm going to go drop down to verse 26. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came into Egypt, who were his own descendants, not including Jacob's sons, wives, were 66 persons in all. And all the sons of Joseph who were born in Egypt were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. He had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Then Joseph prepared his chariots and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and he fell on his neck and he wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, now let me die since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds for they have been keepers of livestock and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock. From our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Okay, so together we have been unpacking the last week or so the story of Joseph. Yet what we see is none of our stories start with us. Our stories are interwoven into the stories of others. And every culture finds a way to celebrate moments such as these. Uh, Similar to Mother's Day yesterday, the recognition that your story didn't start with you, it precedes you. So in the West, we tend to focus on our individual purpose. However, Genesis is consistently reminding us, yes, there is individual purpose and promise, but it's always in the broader context of what God is doing in the whole, not just only in the individual. This is now how the story of Israel or Jacob And the children of Israel end up in Egypt. So Joseph's story comes out of Jacob's. And Jacob's story is part of telling uh, of a story God is fulfilling, a promise to the world. While not our story, as Gentiles, we are grafted in, unless you happen to be Jewish on the call. Our stories come from this story. But once again, we are grafted in. And so Jacob and his family, where we see now, they settle in Egypt. Genesis chapter 45, verse 10, shows us the administrative skills of Joseph. 
He knows that Goshen would be the best place for them to take up residence. And using the gifts that God has given him, Joseph leads up. That's an important thing. He leads up to Pharaoh. And Joseph, you actually read it in Genesis 45. You read it over the weekend. He leads Pharaoh to confirm this would be the place where his family needs to settle. So Joseph doesn't just lead down. He learns how to influence those even above him, which is Pharaoh. In this place of abundance, though, there's an irony not to be missed. And John Golden Gay says it this way. For Israelites reading Egypt, anytime an Israelite would read about Egypt, they would recognize it as chiefly a place of oppression and bondage. Yet it starts, and this is powerful, off as a place of refuge, rescue, and growth. In our own lives and in our own stories, in time and over time, what may start off with refuge, rescue, and growth can also become places of oppression and bondage in our hearts. There is much pleasure in sin, but only for a season. In the initial season, it's wonderful, but over time, it becomes oppression and bondage. You know, one or two bricks removed from the foundation of our faith can become a destructive process in our lives. A healthy habit, or I should say a healthy hobby, can grow into an unhealthy obsession. A constructive point of view, someone who has a really constructive heart, we can grow and be, have a critical spirit everywhere that we go. So once again, constructive, healthy hobbies, a few things that we take to look at. These are not even bad things, but they can, they can, under the wrong leadership, lead us to places of oppression and bondage. Danielle Strickland, in her book, The Ultimate Exodus, reminds us that the Exodus story, which we're going to get into by the end of this week, starts not in the book of Exodus. It starts right here in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Because the best stories are always too complicated to fit into one book. When Joseph is sold into slavery by his jealous brothers, Egypt's Pharaoh invites Joseph's family to live in Egypt and to benefit from the food that Joseph has managed to save. He gives them the land of Goshen, the finest land in all of Egypt for shepherding. 300 years from the moment you're now reading, it is going to say a new Pharaoh arises that doesn't know Joseph or the story of the Israelites in Egypt. And what started in blessing is going to become bondage and oppression. 300 years earlier, again, it's vital to note that Egypt is in the opposite direction of Bethel, which we see in Genesis chapter 28. So they are in the complete opposite direction. God is with them. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm saying there's a larger story that is at play here. But God's promise to Israel or to Jacob, Israel the person, Jacob, uh, is specific. Again, I myself will go down with you to Egypt and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. And so remember our questions that we're asking. At this stage of the journey, what are you focusing on? 
It's not only important to look at maybe the things of sin in our lives. Sometimes it's equally important to bring up the good things, not from a place of legalism, not from a place of like just being so hard on ourselves, not at all. But are there even good things that can become greater than God things in my life, which is called an idol? So at the stage of the journey, what are you focusing on? Are you looking for God's presence, his provision and his promise? Or are you experiencing some forms of oppression or bondage from things that started out not bad, but good, and they just have become a little bit too far in your life? A final note on Genesis 46, verse 33, and then we'll move to chapter 47. Egyptians were not fond of shepherds (laughs) for a specific reason. Shepherds were nomadic and they were unsettled. And everything about Egypt was about settled, build something great for Pharaoh. So what the Hebrew writers of Genesis are also wanting you to begin to see 300 years before it's going to become a reality is this is actually a clashing of two small K kingdoms. Okay. This is, this is a larger story at play here. So even as we read in Genesis 46, where Joseph immediately, who now knows the language of Pharaoh says to his family, when Pharaoh summons you, he doesn't like shepherds, say this. This is what he'll understand. Cultures are clashing, and Joseph knows it. As you'd imagine again, these two cultures will soon embark on a tremendous clash. Let's read Genesis chapter 47 together, verses 1 to 26, and then some comments as we wrap it up. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and herds and all they possess, have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. Uh, I'm reading in Genesis 47, verse 2. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks. For the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, Please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob and his father stood him before Pharaoh. This is interesting. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Imagine Pharaoh in that moment. (laughs) And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many of the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of my years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojourn. And again, verse 10, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled with his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Now, when there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, 
So the land of Egypt, the land of Canaan, languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that he had found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they had bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And, uh, and when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, give your livestock and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money's gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, flocks, herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year had ended, they came to him the following year and said, we will not hide from the Lord that our, all our money is spent. And the herd of our livestock are my Lord's, and there is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, before we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the lands of Egypt for Pharaoh, for all the Egyptians sold their feed fields, excuse me, because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on that allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, he did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, behold, I have this day brought you, bought you, excuse me, and your land from Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you and you shall sow the land and the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh and four fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your household and food for your little ones. And they said, you have saved our lives. May it please the Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. It's, only, it's always a good thing to be a servant of Pharaoh, providing Pharaoh is a good ruler. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth, and the land of the priests did not become the land of Pharaoh. So a few words as we close. Jacob again does something interesting and profound with Pharaoh. He blesses him, not once, but twice. And this is a pivotal moment in the life of Pharaoh in Egypt, because Genesis describes God's covenant blessing to those who are in the line or part of the family of Jacob. But I want you to notice, as Jacob blesses Pharaoh, not once, but twice, there is no receiving, nor is there any reciprocation. Pharaoh in Egypt will chart their own path from knowing Yahweh the God of Israel. And once again, the Hebrew writers are setting up a future story with Moses and a different Pharaoh, but the Pharaoh of Egypt that is going to involve much conflict for the children of Israel, but also for the children of Egypt. Fast forward to our lives. We too are presented in certain seasons with pivotal moments of formation that if accepted or rejected, define the next season of our lives ahead and can even impact 
future generations, the next generation. God is a covenant-keeping God, yes, who can rescue and redeem all things. Amen. Yet our acceptance or rejection, our obedience and disobedience, it does define direction and it does impact not only our lives, but the future generations. This is key to understanding the difference often, though, between fault and responsibility, which we can talk about in the conversation time if you wish. A few closing notes of these chapters, once again, as these cultures begin to clash. Verses 7 to 10, once again, Pharaoh asks Jacob how old he is, as the Egyptians saw long life in the context of divine favor. Jacob responds that essentially he uses different language, but what Jacob really says is, this is how old I am. I'm 130, but not all my days have been happy. This is Jacob recognizing that not all his days have been happy um, because of how he has been deceptive. And other days have been unhappy due to how he was deceived by his own sons. Verses 13 to 26, once again, show us how Joseph uses his gifts to bless Egypt due to the famine of the Egyptians. First, in buying grain to live, they run out of money, but it extends their life a year. Second, they sell their livestock, once again, in exchange for grain, but it extends them another year. And then they sell their land. So in other words, there is in this story, there is provision for life. There's provision to sustain life. And then the Hebrew writers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put the beautiful language of they are given seed to begin to sow into the land. So even though the land may not belong to them, it can produce crops that do belong to them, which is why it says in Genesis 47, verse 25, they say to Joseph, you have saved our lives and may it please the Lord, my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. Now, conversely, as we've already noted, uh, the Israelites in verse, so that's all the land of Egypt we just read. Now in verse 27 to 31, we'll finish. Thus, now Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it. Look at the difference, though. It says they were fruitful and they multiplied greatly. So the Egyptians have just become more enslaved to Pharaoh, and the Israelites are in Goshen. And it is fruitful and it's multiplying. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life were 147 years. And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And of course, Joseph answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, swear to me. And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. Wow, what a story. The fulfillment of Jacob's second dream, that Jacob too would bow himself before Joseph as he served his family. And the scene is now set for God to fulfill his promise to Jacob. He will go down with Jacob, but he will also bring him back. And your son, Joseph, will close your eyes. 
And so each life, Jacob's, Israel's, Egypt's, and ours today can be described as a journey. Each of our lives has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Four questions as we close. At this stage of your journey, what are you looking at? Are you looking for God's presence, provision, and promise? Not in the lives of others, in your own life. Are you experiencing any form of oppression or bondage from something? Perhaps that didn't start off as bad, but has become bad, become unhealthy? And will today's step, the step that you take today, will it be all on you? Or will it be rooted in God's faithfulness for you? Four questions. Let's pray. Father, whatever stage of our journeys are at, speak to our heart in this moment through your word today. Father, we can see that there are certain things that we don't know in moments that have led to really big transitions in our lives. Help us to understand the difference between fault and responsibility. And lastly, Lord, help us see our lives in a larger context not just individual in scope, but what you're doing to shape others around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the Heartstrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.